Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are Live from the Path. To live from the path, we're coming to you from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnson Proper. Yeah, happy. Uh, what are we? Uh, Twenty nineteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome, welcome to the show. Here's the deal. You thought we had, uh, as a collective, had deceased, and uh, I'm disappointed in you. I did not get any condolences on the complaint line. Um, but uh, nobody cared. Uh, oh man, that's sad. Are we that type of fellas? Well, kind of. I, here's the thing. We're Jacob Marley. We, ben and I were just talking about this just before the show started about about how uh, divisive uh, it's always like the internet tends to be. You know, like they try to you try to highlight all these individual characteristics, and then you go out and search a community that, that meets all these individual characteristics, right? And so, like, um, it'd be interesting to try to find a uh, a group of people that says struggling, uh, rarely listened to podcast, but you've been at it for seven years, Club. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That we could be friends with on Facebook or share tweets about. I, see, I'm not sure it's good to have a support system like that of people with your own shared, like your exact experiences. Well, that's the exact uh, premise behind all kinds of uh, blank anonymous groups. Yeah, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> it kind of makes your world a little smaller, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, oftentimes, the, the worst thing you can... Uh, I, I get it. I'm going to say this, and then it's going to sound crass And if you think of some certain circumstances. But, like, um, oftentimes, if your deal is to find someone else with your exact situation to sympathize with, like, one, they can know you, but then it, it, it does it does run the risk of, like, micro-focusing on your situation as if it's the only game in town. And so, like, uh, but here's the last thing we need to do is we don't need to be empowered by another gaggle of dudes who've been, you know, podcasting to nine folk uh, for, for eight years. Yeah, actually, I'm not sure that does any good things for me. Yeah, I suppose that's true. That's actually why I always liked, um, uh, what's the program where it's, it's uh, it covers all kinds of uh, addictions and struggles and whatever. But well, celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery. Yeah. I was I always like the the attitude of celebrate recovery because the thing is is like if I find another guy that say is addicted to smoking, uh, you know, and me and him start talking, we're the ones most likely to band together and smoke as a team. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I figured if it was time for me to get off the wagon, I could certainly convince this other addict that does the same thing I do, right? <laughs> but let's say I run into a guy that like smoking's not his deal; it just happens to be uh, what a prescription medicine, right? And he goes, "Yeah, smoking's not a thing." You know what I'm saying? Like I can live without smoking; you should be able to live without smoking. <laughs> What's your deal? And, and so, like, he's conquered the thing that I'm struggling with, and so it's almost. You know, it seems just on on the flat surface of it, it seems like it might be easier to find a guy that's already beaten whatever you got. You know, <laughs> that way he's not going to be ever the guy that that wants to stop by the Seven Eleven and grab a, a pack of smokes. He don't care about that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's best if we could find uh, one a guy who podcasts to like a thousand, and then somebody who podcasts to three, because uh, that guy's still putting some effort into it. That's like, why, frankly, uh, I, I think there's value in knowing. Um, uh, if you're trying to go to church, staying connected with um, a, a rural, rural churches, like having like some kind of contact with a guy who, who to be honest, is going to have got like 45, 50 people in his congregation, and he's always going to. Like, there's just the population in his area is not going to. It's not unless it grows. The amount of folks that you can draw into the church is it just going to get bigger? Because like that, that's someone who's who doesn't have such a big. Uh, you don't have the buffet to go after. You have to like maintenance the world you have. 
and you start doing you start doing right things with relationships community um and it doesn't have to be everything that you do but like it retains a sense of that uh, along with the relationship with someone who's you know who's been super successful at growing a church and uh i, I think there's just value in kind of maintaining those types of healthy perspectives around people so yeah. so three three uh, a guy who podcasts to three people and uh and, pr- and maybe does it every week <laughs> and then uh maybe a thousand every week and we'll be the nine people who does it you know whenever we float in here yeah we'll be the dudes in the middle okay we need to find a more immersive community man okay got it uh all right well here's uh, thanks for hanging out with us uh, we do apologize uh like i said the um uh the holidays just kind of lined up that way and so when they hit mondays uh, it just takes us out for a few weeks so thanks for hanging out with there with us uh if you're upset about us being gone or that we're back. Uh, you can get a hold of us on the complaint line, 515-517-0085. That's 515-517-0085, and we'd love to be able to hear from you. So I heard a, I heard a line in the, I was watching the Muppet movie with the kids. Uh-huh. And like, it's when the Muppets, it's when uh, Kermit and, and Fozzie had stopped at the, at the old uh, the old church, right? And they were hi- trying to hide out from the frog guy, the guy that was trying to capture Kermit and get him to work for his frog business. Yep. And so Dr. Teeth and all that. Hey, now, he wasn't trying to get him to work for the frog business. Yeah, he was. He was trying to get him to be the spokesman for uh, Doc Froghopper's uh, oh, frog Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, sorry. Yep, so yep. anyway, he goes, he goes into, this, into the church with the Dr. Teeth who's rocking out, and they, they pass out sleeping because they've been on the road a while. Yep. And Dr. Teeth, you know, they, they repaint his whole car. And it look, it's like a, a huge rainbow and bubbles and stuff. It's outrageous. And 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 I, they they then said a line that made me think of of life from the path is is Fozzie goes wow I don't know how to thank you guys and then Kermit goes I don't know why to thank you guys <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed and laughed and I thought crap that's a radio show <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right so in this vein there was a there was a Gallup article that said uh, seven people Christians trust more than their pastors ooh yeah did you read it Dan I, I did ooh are we on it. <laughs> That'd be rough. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is it generalized people or a very specific dude? Uh, it's, it's generalized. As okay, I good. I'm interested then. Okay, it's, well, it's been a couple weeks. Uh, all right, so here it goes. It says, um, though the Bible describes shepherds of the church as blameless, up, upright, and above reproach, Americans, even Christians, take a much more pessimistic view. Yeah, the Christians. I yeah. thought that was, yeah. Yeah. It's not just like Joe Blow down the road. The Christians Think don't necessarily is, trust the pastor. That's right. That's right. It says, according to New Gallup survey, the country's perception of pastors fell to a record low in 2018. Fewer than half of American Christians, 42%, believe clergy have high or very high standards of honesty and ethics, according to breakouts provided uh, to CT. Self-identified Christians were about as likely to rate clergy's ethical standards as just average, and about 1 in 10 consider them low or very low. Among Americans as a whole, trust in the clergy fell to 37%, making it the eighth most trusted profession in the country. Do you think this is the Catholics? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Catholics. But, like, I mean, because of the I scandals feel like if, you're saying. If we were grading on a curve, do you think we could get 10% if you could normalize out the response to, to – even the word it, – it's the word clergy that's getting me, right? Yeah. When they say clergy, I think Catholic. So I, I, mean, I Yeah, go ahead, Dan. I, was saying, I, think, I think it's like the, the dude from Willow Creek, and it's like all these high – visible preachers in in protestant churches too and the catholic churches that are being found out to either embezzling money or having affairs or 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 hurting children or you know they're they're just doing unchristian things but they're big name people and even the christian people are going like yeah i don't i don't trust any of these yeah i mean here's the thing though it is is is, it's it's not untrustworthy to do wrong things it's untrustworthy to do wrong things and then hide it and that's where they're getting it, right? Like, like people, 
people find it very trustworthy for someone to say they made a mistake or say, here, I, here, yeah. I, I, I did this thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, that's never the stories that are obviously coming out news, news wise, right? There, it's always a guy that's been hiding it. Yeah, like but he's not a mistake. Usually, it's like yeah, because they're hiding it and they keep doing it. It's yeah. not like I did it that one time. It's, yeah. it's I do it every week, right? And I'm hurting people. The thing occurred. I refuse to acknowledge it, and I refuse to resign until six months go by, and then I actually have to because I've just put myself in a ridiculous position. Yeah, that's untrustworthy. And and they and they destroyed the church in the meantime, and everybody left and. Like, well, I can stay here, but no one's paying me, so I guess I'll go. Do you feel I mean, like 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 some of that is drawn from uh, pastors who feel like uh, there's an unrealistic expectation um, for them to uh, not show that they've that they've made any mistakes, right? Like, like because they think like if 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 people were to find out I've done this thing or whatever, then they'll they'll lose faith in this church and then we'll lose people and then it'll be a big disaster. I think some. I mean, some of it's a yeah, a protection of the brand, so to speak, and and of of the face, the 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 head guy, and yeah, yeah. So they've got to they got to just run from the fact that anything happened, and and they'll deny it and and cover it up. And uh, you hear that enough, and pretty soon you just think that everybody's doing it, but it's not true. It's it's just a few big name people. But uh, you know what's 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 the joke about? Hey, going postal. Well, every postal worker doesn't take guns into the post office and shoot people. Right. But there was a, a time when there was a handful. It happened, and it was, seemed like it'd be in the news once in a while. So that's like became a thing, right. a phrase. And I think that's where we are with pastors. It's like every once in a while you hear in the news like these terrible, I mean, awful things going on. And after a while, people are like, yeah, that's that's just those guys. Well, it's true, and you rarely see a news story that says, uh, you know, Steve down the road, still doing a good job as a pastor, not causing no trouble. Right. Byline. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The story's about a guy who like loves the whiff of his own pits, and then he, he gets real upset when people are trying to take it away from him. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I think I, 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 I'd be surprised to find out that there's some of these guys who, like, you know, once they once they get into a position where they've made the mistake, like, there's a, there's, there's a, a concept of not just protecting them them personally or the brand of the church or whatever, but like they feel like they're protecting the people of God or the, especially when you're compounding the shame of pastors failing and they're saying, boy, we just don't want to be another one. It adds to the narrative, but I mean, it is the narrative. And so let's like, that's, that's the gospel lives in that type of thing. And to deny that um, is a blindness to the very thing that you're called to do. You, do you find that like this, the the weird part about it for me is is like when you read a lot of uh, especially Old Testament stuff and look how Israel reacted throughout the years and maybe the Bible just de- depicts it this way but you don't you don't see a lot of this half in half out jazz right that we get that we see a lot uh, you know nowadays where people are like yeah I was following Jesus and then I kind of did this thing you know and, and 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 whatever and like there's some episodes out of King David's life that are pretty you know congruent but like um like on the whole. When when a new leader would show up to Israel and he'd be like, you know what, put up the Asherah poles. <laughs> He's just like, we're just going to do this thing. We're out. We're not doing this no more, you know. And and didn't continue like a weird charade of worshiping Yahweh, you know. And so like, I I, I don't know. It it seems like that's a that that is a newer it's a newer thing of like putting on maybe it's just a cultural thing of putting on airs of some kind and acting like things happened or acting like things didn't happen when they actually did. And, and, and all that jazz. And, and there just seems like there's a the, the base of integrity to say, look, yeah, I know it's wrong. Here's what we're doing. You know, and, and at least at least having the, the stones to stick with it, you know, it, it, it's just a, a cowardly deal all around. I don't know. I was saying that, that you were talking, and it made me think of, uh, what was it? It's like Leviticus 18 or something where um, they've just got done talking about the Day of Atonement. 
and then they're, they're transitioning to like here's the types of things that the that the people of God don't do, and like one of the warnings is, hey, look, you have to stop sacrificing to goat demons out in the forest, <laughs> and so like don't you can't if you're going to kill anything, you got to bring it in so that we don't think that you might be out there sacrificing to goat demons. Give it to the give it to the priest; they'll take the fat and something else, and they'll hand you the rest back. But like it was like the outlaw of that, and then that's what occurred to me at the time is I thought like these people had been interacting with with Yahweh like at the base of the mountain and they've they've seen the 10 commandments come and they've they've seen him provide water and and, and take vengeance upon the people who were worshiping the calf and they're like you know what maybe we could also still sacrifice to this goat demon okay? yeah and you're like what in the heck man yeah maybe so and maybe like, it's not as different as i was I, I i think it's i think it carries i think people are always it's like the same that. and they have it in their mind that it's not a uh, like God has to call these types of things out. Like you would think that it would land with someone. Hey, man, there's a, there's a, there's a the God in your presence. Uh, to the extent that like if you you're doing sacrifices to make sure that you don't uh, unintentionally interact with the holy thing and cause your death by trying to bring your unholiness into God's presence. Okay, and in the same breath, God has to say, oh, by the way, no sacrificing to go demons. I'm just not, I'm gonna have to call it call the line. Yeah. No, just doing to make that. this clear, I, I won't abide that as well. That's gotta that's gotta come to a stop. And like you have to assume it's more than one guy because I mean it's kind of addressed to everybody. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just like, hey Ted, <laughs> <laughs> stop doing that in the forest. <laughs> Yahweh doesn't like to do. He doesn't like to single people out so he doesn't hurt their feelings. He goes, here's the, it's normally Bill. Bill's the one doing it. But just for uh, another <laughs> recompense for everybody, no goat demon stuff. That's gotta come to an end. <laughs> Uh, they said, uh, who are the more trustworthy people? Okay, hold on. So they, over the last 40 years, they've measured uh, the country's view of the trustworthiness of faith leaders along with the range of other professions. Um, what year do you think that the trust in clergy peaked over the last 40 years? 2012. 2012, Dan? Um, I'm going to say uh, 86. Ooh. Now, either Dan is an awesome guesser. Or he's retained something unintentionally from the article. It was very close. It's 1985. Oh, why did you? Why? Uh, why did you say? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. It said. In, it said in 85, two thirds of Americans said the clergy had a high or very high honesty and ethical standard. Now that was the time. Um, that was the start of the buildup of the moral majority. So, like, there was a lot of yeah. there was a lot of play on television and media of kind of these people trying to enforce um, a morality. It took. You know, whatever, 1987, 88, and the early 90s for all those guys to really screw the pooch uh, and disappoint everybody, and that probably knocked the scores down. Uh, but their, the media tour of the thing uh, perhaps gave them the inclination that these people were trustworthy. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I was reminded of this last night. We, we were in some group thing, and you were supposed to tell something that, you know, people probably don't know about you. And, and uh, you know, I was kind of going through my mind well, what 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 don't people know about me i was reminded it was it was the 80s i honestly legitimately had like a 20-year plan to run for president right on and because i was a pastor and it was in the 80s and everybody loved pastors and i thought this is a strength <laughs> i mean I honestly I, I really really thought that and, and that's that's probably why because i was part of that you know culture at the time when when America loved their pastors, I mean everybody didn't obviously like the the pastor didn't win, you know. Right. But uh, Pat Robertson ran for office, you know. Reagan ran on Christian stuff, the moral majority thing. And I thought, yeah, just be just because I went to Iowa Christian College, which is a pristine, you know, university, <laughs> and uh, I'm a pastor. I'm gonna I'm gonna president someday. Dan, how many years into that plan did you bail on it? Well, by the early nineties. <laughs> 
I was looking around going, number one, I'm not qualified. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's part of the thing. But I figured I don't need to be. I just, you, you get people around you that are smarter than you, and that's all you need. And, uh, but uh, then I just, yeah. And also, Cheryl hates anything with controversy at all. And the thought that someone might not like her would kill her. So I, I, I learned pretty soon, yeah, just for my, my wife's sake, I can't do it's that. It's just not the right plan. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, at least you didn't get to year like 16 and go, you know what, time to pack it up. <laughs> My dreams are all dead. It's like, <laughs> no, I decided, no, nah, it's not really a dream. That's just dumb. Are you, so you're saying in 1985, at best, it was 66%? That's 67. at the best? Yeah. Now, there was a bump in 2001 <clears throat> for the millennium. No. For the new Coke. Nope. <laughs> Come on. 2000. Nirvana. No, uh, no. I, I don't know. I can't. I can't think. Uh, of what would? Uh, was there a big catastrophe somewhere? There was a revival of Jesus Christ Superstar on Broadway. You said two thousand and one, right? Yeah, oh, Sep- September eleventh. Started a new church. Oh, oh yeah, it was a September eleventh. The, the attacks. Crap! I guess that was two thousand one. I guess twenty twelve because I thought nine eleven happened in two thousand eleven. <laughs> No, it was in 2001. Super embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. So I assume that it's associated with that. People actually started, you know, they, they looked to the, uh, started looking to religious leaders for guidance. Yeah, people ran to churches and uh-huh. pe- pastors were there helping people. Yep. Our, our small, I mean, our church and our small groups swelled at that time. And people were in tears. We sat in the living room and, and watched the news and people, yeah, the, we had a prayer meeting that night at a school. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, and it said there in, in, in the article, in the Gallup article, it says, Men and women turn toward clergy in some of the most intimate moments of their lives. They are conduits of people's deeply held religious convictions that shape the way we understand this world of the next. The kinds of scandals and authoritarian leadership that we saw this year among the clergy undermines the trust we place in them. Ooh, let me check this out. According to the December poll, Catholics are less likely than Protestants to continue to trust church leaders. Fewer than a third of Catholics, 31%, give positive marks to clergy compared to around... Half of the Protestants are 48%. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and they did note some of the things that Dana talked about. Um, in the wake of the Me Too, uh, Protestants have also seen their share of misconduct over the past year with the removal of veteran Southern Baptist leader Paige Patterson, uh, allegations against Bill Hybels, and widespread accusations of abuse among independent Baptist pastors. Yeah. Okay. So, ooh, despite declining trust in faith leaders, a separate Gallup poll recently named Pope Francis as the fourth most admired man among Americans. The Dalai Lama is number eight. This marks the first year in more than six decades that Billy Graham, who died in February, has not made the top ten, <laughs> which is limited to living people. <laughs> yeah. He was, was on the, he was on the list every year since 1955. Right on, that way, wow. Billy. I mean, if he would have made the list again this year, I would have thought, man, what a poor showing for everyone else with a heartbeat. <laughs> I trust dead people more than you. Holy cow. <laughs> Uh, it says, even with declining confidence in clergy, pastors are by no means America's least trusted professionals. Mike, least trusted professional? Uh, lawyer or politician. Dan? Um, uh, accountant. <laughs> that, was bad. That, was, <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. Bad guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's counted to be the accountant. Uh, members of Congress. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who are given a lower, very low rating by 58% of Americans. Uh, the majority, 55% of Christians, also give negative ratings to Congress people. As they should. Um... In general, Christians are in agreement with the rest of Americans about who are the most and least trustworthy and ethical professionals in the country. In, additional members, uh, in addition to members of Congress, telemarketers, car salespeople are largely distrusted. Advertisers, stockbrokers, lawyers, and business executives are also more often perceived as having low or very low honesty and ethical standards. Um, at the top of the list, 
Most trusted professionals. Mike? Uh, probably, I mean, doctors, probably. Mike said, survey says doctors. People who work at the yeah, store. At number the grocery two. Store. Number two. Uh, grocery store clerks. No. Whatever. Those dudes are pretty up, uptown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so number one, nurses. Yeah. Nurse. 80, 84. 84% have a, think they have a high ethics, 84. Um, medical doctors dropped quite a bit to 67. Whoa. Uh, pharmacists, 66. High school teachers, 60. Wow. Police officers, 54. Accountants, 42. <laughs> Look at that, Dan. Accountants yeah, close. Highly regarded. Uh-huh. Funeral directors, 39. What? Clergy, 37. We got beat by the funeral director. I mean, what are they? Oh, park, park is the price gouging, I suppose. I thought. No, wait. no, that's, that's positive. Yeah, but that means there's 60 against them, right? Uh, yeah, but so, yes, yes. Well, so, so uh, a very high, so rate the honesty and ethical standards. Funeral directors are at 30% very high, 42% average, 10% lower, very uh-huh. low. Police officers are at 13% lower, very low. And uh, high school teachers are at low, 10% lower, very low. So at least tied with that. Clergy have a 15% lower, very low. I mean, I mean what do you have? I, I, some of these I understand there's like controversial issues and national political stuff going on. But high school teachers? I mean, uh, they just kind of are there. I mean, who talks about the high school teachers in a, in a either positive or negative light? Right. They just I mean that they're unethical. Yeah. yeah. What are they doing that's dynamic enough to cause uh, untrustworthiness? Unless some of the sexual indiscretions that are happening, maybe. Yeah, but that means the positive only is only available because of the negative, right? Like generally, is that our only criteria to saying whether you're you're trustworthy as a high school teacher? Do you make inappropriate sexual advances? No. Well, then you are absolutely trustworthy in all <laughs> in all areas. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the rate of that is at ten percent. Well, I mean, okay. Would you say that about the clergy? Would you say that that like like the most of the reason people have a problem with the clergy is because is uh, it's it almost almost all of it has to do with sexual. That's scandals. a good point. Well, so the, here's the here's one of the differences in the clergy, and this has to do with our era. Is that um, so? A nurse, for example, does not have a wide influence outside of the direct people they come in contact with. Clergy, however, in our day and age, are not just shepherding those in their own congregation. They're propagating sermons and things and, and articles and websites and, and, twi- and, and tweets and things across the sphere, so which their failure um, expands far beyond their personal reach within their congregation. Now, and, to be fair, they, brought, they bring a, a good portion of that on themselves. No, no, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not resolving that, but what I'm saying, though, is that, like, um, it, is, it is less likely the, the, a, a, a mistake or a dishonest nurse, for, as an example. Well, let's go with the doctor because everyone trusts the nurse. A dishonest doctor or one that lacks ethics doesn't have the same impact yeah. or, or people to know about it and think about it and talk about it. Uh, it. Like, it may come up as a crime, but, like, as a matter of fact, their unethical things tend to be crimes as opposed to just like, hey, I didn't run my organization well or I was overbearing or something, of which case people, people separate criminals from professions. Like, it's easier to say, this person is not like all doctors, he's a criminal. But like, if, if you look like a Mark Driscoll, who was an authoritarian in his church, right, or like sexual uh, misconduct that is not a crime but is inappropriate yeah. for who you are, mm-hmm. like, you seem like everybody, and like, you, it's, it's, you, it's, it's, you don't separate them out and say, Oh, he's not like the rest of the pastors. He's a criminal. You're like, no, he's just a creepy pastor. Yeah. And so, like, it's so like it's um, 
it, it's it's not a matter of fair or anything, but like it's just a it's just the consequences are bigger and more wide reaching for some of those big name uh, pastors nowadays and the types of things that they're doing. Yeah, that's true. So so to boil all that down, people don't say, "Hey, um, he's a like a, like a, a, a pharmacist who." Oh, I don't know. Shades people a, a pill or two every time he fills a bottle, right? Like they wouldn't say, "Hey, he's a criminal." They'd say he's a bad pharmacist. He's still a pharmacist, right? Which yeah. makes him a bad pharmacist. And and same thing's true with the clergy. They're not breaking any laws, but they're doing immoral things. And so they're not saying, "Hey, that guy's a because if there's a criminal, you'd put him in the same criminal bucket and look at him as a criminal." Yeah. But you're saying, "Look, he still gets to be a clergy as far as we're, we are concerned. He's just unethical at it. He's a bad clergy." And so then the stigma stays with the job itself and not with the person. So, and, and with like, a, say, a Hybels, it affects more people because, like, I've read his book. Right. You know, I, I haven't met the nurse or the doctor in St. Louis that did that thing. Right. You know, I mean, the, to sold a guy's foot to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's like, that's awful, but. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. It just it just has a, which I think is that's the right. Here's the deal: is that the, that's the right thing for for the ministry, right? Like that le- level of influence on people is super positive. But like you have to you have to guard yourself. You yeah. can't be jacking it up, <laughs> right? Uh, all right. Let's see who the clergy beat out. Uh, journalists at thirty three percent. Yes. Uh, contractors twenty nine percent. Bankers twenty seven. Real estate agents twenty five. I don't trust a real estate agent. That's not true. I trust Bob. I trust Bob because I've met Bob. Yeah. I, uh, here's the deal. That's not, it's not fair. It's not fair that I don't trust him. Uh, but in general, the amount of self-advertising that it takes to be uh, a real estate agent, mm-hmm. I find it untrustworthy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, get some stuff with my face on it. <laughs> get yeah. a bench. People can sit on their butt <laughs> next to my face. And I think, no, no, this is, not a, this is weird. <laughs> and so the whole thing creeps me out. And what's weird about that is, is they're going to sell the house anyway to somebody. Yeah, someone's going to buy it. Whether I buy it or the next guy, someone's going to buy that house, and they're going to get the commission. So I mean, I've never understood the crooked realtor thing, but it happens. Yeah. Or the, you know, the lying, oh, yeah, no, that's in great shape. It's like, no, it's ready to fall apart. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to come and look at it. <laughs> uh, I mean, who, anymore, who doesn't know that they're being sung to, you know? Like maybe you could get away with this when there was a there was a, t- a coming a coming of age within the the Western culture where like you you assumed everybody was pretty honest and then the yeah. salesmen were making great you know strides because they were dishonest but it sounded honest but I mean anymore everybody sounds dishonest you know like who who goes into the crappiest house in the neighborhood and listens to the realtor go this is the shining star of the block and it's like hun it looks pretty rough but he says it's the shining star of the yeah. block you know like <laughs> right. nobody trusts that anymore it's a handyman special you're a special handyman yeah <laughs> this is right for you <laughs> um let's see hold on let's, let's see, finish out the list of untrustworthy people here uh labor union leaders 21 oh yeah Bummer. uh lawyers Lawyers? No, no, lawyers. Oh. <laughs> not people, uh, it's not a career to loiter. People that just stand around doing nothing. Yeah, that's unethical. <laughs> uh, that was labor union leaders. Oh, shoot. Uh, lawyers, business executives, stockbrokers, advertising practitioners. That's kind of a weird way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, like marketers? Tell, uh, yeah, like, are people that av- like advertise to you? Huh. Telemarketers? Car salespeople and members of Congress. Now, uh, those those were going down by the percent of which they were rated. Now, okay. Now, here's what doesn't make sense. Tell us how you would rate the honesty and ethical standards of people in these different fields. Very high ethical standards 
telemarketers. What? How many percentage? Nine. Even yeah. the nine is outlandish. Yeah. That's what makes these polls hard to grasp. Whoever, who gets off the phone with the telemarketer and goes, you know, I didn't, I didn't buy anything, but that boy certainly has a high ethical standard. <laughs> <laughs> I believed everything they said. <laughs> they, <laughs> they would have done anything to keep me in my current internet package. Uh-huh. That's weird. Car salespeople, 8%. Stockbrokers fourteen. So, so if you look on the opposite, though, the percent rated very low. The highest low goes to in reverse order: members of Congress, telemarketers, uh, advertising practitioners, journalists. Uh, where like their, their middle range of people who had said they were average honesty uh, is 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 significantly low. It's almost, in fact, it is the lowest. So either you believe journalists are a crack squad at thirty three percent, or you think they're conniving, deceiving pirates at thirty four percent. The middle, uh, they have the lowest uh, middle, middle ground percentages of anybody. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, they, wait, what's this? How old is this one? Eight people Americans trust more than their local pastor. That's it's, Americans, not Christians. Oh. Oh. oh, oh. Hold is on. it about the same? Let's see here. 44. Well, that's 2006. How old is this? Uh, this is kind of weird. Um,. According to religious breakdowns of the data, self-identified Christians are nearly twice as likely as non-Christians to still have faith in their faith leaders. Well, of course. While nearly half of Christians said pastors had high ethical standards, only a quarter of non-Christians agreed. So that's interesting. 25% of non-Christians believe that pastors have high ethical standards. I'm not sure that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Christians also indicated the stronger support of the military officers, with nearly three-quarters finding them trustworthy, significantly more than non-Christians at 63%. Christians were also more likely to trust police officers, 59 to 46, auto mechanics, 35 to 27, and business executives, 18% to 13%. Hmm. Non-Christians, on the other hand, preferred grade school teachers, 71 to 65% of Christian uh, judges, 49 to 42, and newspaper reporters, 32 to, to 23. So um, it sounds like Christian non-Christians are more likely to trust the media. Now, I suppose it... Um, if you are not a Christian, you have to have a source of truth of which you pull in information, uh, of which journalism in some form or another has to fit that, whereas otherwise a Christian could subsist without journalism and still adequately supplies to true things. Three of the professions rated highest for honesty and ethical standards are in the healthcare fields, nurses, medical doctors, and pharmacists, a trend that has been the case in recent years where the clergy are not at the bottom of the list. This year's rating represents a new low for a profession with image problems in recent years. But, you know, I don't trust doctors. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I mean, just in general... I just I'm always very suspicious of them. Why? Because I I, I I don't know. Like I, I last, was the last time I went into a doctor. I think I tried to tell him the deal, and he's like, "No, that's not the deal." I'm like <laughs> I'm sure it is. I I'm I'm sure coming up with the deal. I'm I'm telling you how it's a, what's going on or whatever. He's like oh, something 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 and made up all these things. He's like we got to do five more tests or whatever. I'm like you know what? Forget it. And then I left and I just kind of medicated at home and it went away. And I'm like okay well. I gave him a shot. Wait, I tried to do the right thing. He could be right. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Though. You could have a, a a a festering cyst on your large intestine. Nah, and you don't know because you walked out and said, "I don't trust you because you don't agree with me." Now it's because they got it. I mean, the way that they. I mean, here's the thing: uh, trying to figure out what's wrong with somebody is it, troubleshooting. Is troubleshooting it doesn't matter what practice you're in, right? Like whether you're a mechanic or a construction worker or a doctor or whatever, trying to figure out. What is actually wrong here? The same basic principles apply, right? And so, like, that's what I do for a living. And I can tell when I'm being shined on or you've jumped to a conclusion without taking in any information. And that's generally what they're doing. 
which is obviously not true of all doctors. Uh, and maybe I just have a mistrusting personality. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I don't. Tr- I, I just don't. I don't. I don't trust them at all. <laughs> I, I, I think they. I think they just have uh, some very big, quick solutions. Um, like every once in a while, like they should say. Um, I think the last time I went in for something, I was I was sick or something. I don't know. I'd been sick longer than I should have been. And instead of telling me the truth, which is, hey man, you need to quit smoking, and you you've got to stop taking in so much sugar. Those are two things that are true. My body will fight off this stuff on its own if I wasn't acting like such an idiot, you know. But he's like, here, just load up on this medicine or whatever. I'm like, hey, you have the perfect platform to tell me the truth. Like, hey, you're taking in too much sugar and you got to quit smoking. And he didn't. He's like, just take these antibiotics or whatever and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's a fail. You're, you're the guy that knows things. Coming from you, these, these staunch bits of advice would have made some difference, and you didn't do it. You just covered up my symptoms and sent me packing. Wait a minute. Yeah, but, but isn't the proposition you're making is that you went in there and said, if this, if this doctor who I, who I should trust tells me to quit smoking, I'll quit smoking. No. But if he does not do it, I refuse. If he tells me to quit smoking and stop taking in so much sugar, then I will respect his opinion on how to fix the flu that I got. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. You didn't intend to reduce your sugar or quit smoking, no. but you would at least listen to him about his flu advice. Yes. Yes, I would find him trustworthy if he would start with those two things and say, your overall health is causing these acute health problems. Uh, you, should have, you should have been able to fight this flu off in a day or two, and you drug it around for seven days because you, you unhealthy. And so if he would have said those things right off the bat, I'd have said, okay, you're, at least you're trustworthy. I'll take your antibiotics, and, and we'll move on. <laughs> I see. Okay. Okay. Uh, in that, in that uh, last article, so they did add, there were a few other folks in there that were untrustworthy. Uh, the right below the members of Congress were lobbyists. Yeah, I mean lobbyists. they're paid to shine people on. That's the whole deal. Uh, I, you know, here's the thing: is I think that they get a bad rep. I'm not sure they're untrustworthy. We, we just, I just don't agree with their lobbying for. Like their job is to say this is. In fact, they're probably the most honest people out there because they're going. Look, we will do anything to get this thing done. You know exactly what they're trying to accomplish. You know who they're trying to accomplish it for. They have a pretty clear aim. They're pretty honest about what they want. Whereas uh, I would say the members of Congress aren't always the case. So, like, I'd actually bump the lobbyist above the congressman because, like, uh, th- I think they're a little bit clearer on their intentions. It's so hard to declare a job and all the people that are currently represented in that job as being ethical or unethical, right? Because, like, there's ethical doctors and there's unethical doctors. And, like, on the whole, I, I don't know, I don't look at the whole swath and go, as a group, you guys are mostly blah or whatever, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's very much on an individual basis. There are some that careers, though. I mean, like, it's hard to trust a, a car salesman. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, just, I just don't. I just don't. That's true. Because they're going through so many cars so fast, they don't know that car. They're just getting rid of it. They want their commission. And it's like, the, and the more they, they lay on the, the, you know, the glitter. The schmooze. The yeah, charm. the schmooze. I'm like, ah, you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. I've been in this car more than you have, you know? I mean, there's yeah. 7,000 cars on this lot. You just want me to buy one. And yes, I don't. Uh, yep. I have a hard time trusting them. I had, the, I had the finance guy do that to me one time. I said, here's what I, here's what I can pay a month. You get it at this payment, then we'll, 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 we got a deal, you know? And he goes back, and he acts like he's crunching a bunch of numbers yeah. or whatever, and he comes back like 20 minutes later and says, all right, the number you gave me, I got it, plus about 30 bucks, but then we're, <laughs> it's a done deal. I go... No, that's not the number that I said, though. And he goes, yeah, but, I mean, it's not a big deal. You can just take it out of any part of your budget you want. It's just a small, minuscule amount. I'm like, you don't tell me how to run my budget. I told you <laughs> what the number was, and you come back with this other number. I said, we're done. And I got up and left, and then he chases me down. And he's like, hey, you know, we had a deal there. And I'm like, we didn't have a deal at all. I told you this was the thing, and you came back with something different. That's a no deal. 
He goes, I really think you should have this car. <laughs> I said, not at that price. Give me down to the price that I asked for, and, and we'll be fine. He goes, well, we can't do that. I said, well, I ain't going to buy the car then. And so I left. And then he called me a half hour later at home. He's like, I guess we can do that price. <laughs> oh, I said, you seriously made me go through all this when you could have done You knew that. You knew that when I was there, that you could have done that price. I'm not driving all the way back in for this. He goes, well, what if I take another 20 bucks off a month for the price? I go, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and then I bought the car. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. That, that covers the untrustworthiness. You want, you want to do some advice, man? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing just fine. Uh, let's, let's do a couple of advice, and we'll get you out here short and sweet. I like to treat the show like it's a job for you guys that are listening. We're going to get you all tucked up and out, out the office today, Mr. Mr. Uh, Harrelson. Dear, live from the path. My wife and I raised two children, a son who's a uh, successful uh, doctor, and a daughter who is a multi-post grad botanist. We are 72 now in moderately failing health and very successful ourselves. Our children were raised properly. We gave them all they would ever need to succeed and be happy. However, neither one is particularly interested in a loving relationship with us. Holidays together are strained. Frankly, I'm quite sick of both of them. They are inconsiderate, insensitive, and standoffish. We make no demands on either of them and never impose ourselves in any way. They never invite us to anything. We want to move away and disappear. What do you think? I mean, that seems a little bit outrageous. <laughs> I, I don't think we have all, have all the information. Yeah. Yeah, no one goes, hey, my kids really aren't getting along with me. By the way, I want to move away and disappear. Uh, yeah. Like, that's, I, like I, was, I was following up until that point, and then I thought, I just, I don't, this reaction seems super weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's very one-sided. We're wonderful and awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're fantastic. I don't understand. And frankly, I'm sick of these kids. <laughs> they were raised perfectly, and then they turned out like this. I mean, to be fair, if it, uh, to a certain extent, if you raise successful, well-rounded children, they're going to they're gonna produce things in their adult life that uh, keep them busy and occupied right, and whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to have jobs and kids and communities and people that depend on them. And their likelihood of wanting to come around and have a long relationship with you, especially if they don't live in, like, the same town or whatever, like, it just gets hard to do after a while, you know? And, and, and you'll lament it a little bit, but it's kind of part of your kids growing up. I don't know. I mean, judging from your completely one-sided uh, submission, I'm going to give the kids a little bit of a benefit of the doubt and say maybe you did raise them right, which means they got people that are dependent on them. And, uh, you know, they could, they could try to carve out some time to spend some more time with you. But on the whole, you raised them to be productive members of society, and they are, which means they don't have a whole lot of time to just stop by and build this giant relationship, right? You built them to build relationships with others. You parented well, and, and now you got to be proud of what you did and, and just enjoy their success through them. Is that too? Is that unfair? Well, I, I would say, though, even if they parented that well, they'd have the relationship. You think, I mean, so Dan, I mean, you're kind of in this stage of life where your kids are growing up and moving on to to things and and you're watching them succeed and make good choices and whatever. And like when they start to spend um, less time with you, do you look at it as a a fail of your relationship or just a moving on of of this is what an adult starts to to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know what? They find time. They find time to be with us because they want to be. But that gets less. I mean, it, but it's more, you know, it's just different than it was when they were younger. I mean, it, it's uh, more peer, you, you know, we're, we're, we're having a good time and talking or planning and conspiring things as opposed to parenting. I think they, these guys still want to be parents. Yeah. 
And maybe it's like, what, one's like a doctor or something? And I mean, it's like, yeah, you're done parenting. Yeah. Yeah, ship has sailed. I mean, a multi-grad botanist? I don't even know what that is, but that sounds pretty sound uptown. I'm impressed. Yeah. I mean, just a single-grad botanist is probably pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so so advice says, uh, hey, look, you might be overreacting to this thing. Uh, like, that, that, or, and we're probably, we feel like we don't have enough information. Uh, to, for, for this to be the case, it's not, it can't just be that they're busy. Because, like, like yeah. if they're showing up for, um, for holidays or whatever, like, they have no reason to be angry at you. If, they, if they're still showing up, they seem to be actually fulfilling the duties of, like, hanging out. Um, unless you're pressing on them all the time and saying, hey, look, you know, you don't come up, you don't come up often enough. Thanks for taking time out to come to the holidays, but I expect to, you know, you call twice a week and uh, show up every other week, and I'm upset about it. I'm actually not against what they're proposing. I think you should just move if that's what you want to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is it necessary to move? I mean, well, if they want to, well, hold on. They're just saying what they want to do. Say, we want to move away and disappear. Go ahead. I mean, what do oh, you yeah, care? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if your relationship with your kids isn't really that important that you're up to hauling away, I mean, you leave your parents and you cleave to your husband, so you and your husband move if that's what you want to do. Yeah, just what, do it. What's that place down in Florida with, with you know, the, the um, you can golf and... The Boca Raton. Uh, the, yeah, the retirement place. The Boca Raton. No, it's the something. Boca oh, Raton. The time. Da, 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 da. Uh, I didn't see that coming, that part there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. narrows it down. It's the, uh, <laughs> it's the something. The, yeah. the something at the something. The Boca Raton. No, stop doing that. The Love Boat? <laughs> oh, don't go to I have boat. friends who actually live the there. Boat. The Everglades. You live at the Love Boat? No, at the place, whatever that place is called. You should probably text them. The, it, it's, I keep, it's, the, the Sands is the casino. That's not the place. But, like, it's the something. Isn't the Sands in Vegas? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, uh, but that's what keeps coming to my mind. Like, uh, something when the. When he says the, you think the Sands? I think the Sands. Oh the Boca Raton. Anyway. That's 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 my advice. The Boca Raton. My 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 advice is yes. If you want to move away and disappear, go ahead. Yeah, if, yeah. If, if I the, mean, you a grown adult, just do what you want. Yeah. The core question is, should I move away? Sure, if you want to. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sure your kids will come visit there, and they can be angry with you wherever you end up. Right. Multiple right. botanist person. You just as well have an at awkward family Raton. family gathering at your new place that makes you happy. Right. The exactly. villages. Yeah. The, the villages. Oh, I had to Google it. The villages. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm you not familiar with the theme song. Hey, are it's on the television. Are there any legit villages in Iowa? Because I heard somebody on the Iowa, like a, a local radio station, said that a guy got lost. He was missing tonight, like or last night. He was on a snowmobile, and at 2 a.m. they said he's he's missing, and yeah. at 3 a.m. they found his snowmobile, but they did not find him. And they said it was located near the village of something, which is in Iowa. And like, is that a proper distinction within the state? Can you have a, an Iowa village? Uh, no. Sounds uh, maybe I don't know what's the what's yeah, well, the municipal way to dis- explain yeah. a village versus like a township or a city or something. Like I that? think it's not incorporated. You can't collect taxes in a in a village. Oh, is that what that is? Oh, I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there's got to be then. I got to say, Ben, this seems really unimportant. That's a new one for me. I'm going to find it out later. We, we got Here's know. a secular says. <laughs> a, few, a few of the answers. The question the was, uh, let's see, we want to move away and disappear. What do you think? Secular says people could disappear without physically moving away. As your children have already demonstrated. As you already done, yeah. <laughs> Just lock your doors and don't answer. Have you tried asking them why are they so distant? Unless you do, nothing will change. Because holidays are strange. Celebrate with those who appreciate you and whose company you enjoy. Yeah, I mean... Thanks for that one, Secular. It's generally larger than a hamlet, but smaller <laughs> than a town. <laughs> L- larger than a what? Larger than a hamlet, hamlet, but smaller than a town. What's a hamlet? 
It's like a little piece smaller of, than a village. It's a piece of ham. Just a small one, yeah. like it's a baby. A, one. It's a ham cutlet. <laughs> it's a Hamlet. Uh, Mike, you seem like you think this is very unimportant. Hamlet is smaller oh, than yeah, five hundred. <laughs> I don't think I've you're ever not heard interested in all in any not, of this. No, not in the least. Mike, what, Mike, what do you want to talk about? Some Mike, some geographers, trustworthy or otherwise, define <laughs> a village as having between five hundred and twenty five hundred inhabitants. This is stuff. And we're there's talking plenty about, of them about in the internet, Florida. Ben, before we even started. People. It shouldn't even offer this type of information. <laughs> Here's the thing. We could have had a great time as four dudes arguing over what the definition of a village is, and you ruined it by going to the Internet and trying to produce I've a I've qualified a for membership in the National Geographic Society. Only us explorers can have it. And that, they define us it. explorers <laughs> as between is how Ben decided to describe himself for the, uh, and associate with other explorers. 2,500 He is there with... <laughs> Columbus, first of all, Hamlet. that's from Cortez. A Wonderful Life is what you've done. I did, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go found a Hamlet. For heaven's sakes, Ben, this is what you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read another one, unless we're still going to spin this item. in the blender a little bit longer. <laughs> Hamlet special at the Cozy Cafe, three ninety nine. Dear Life from the Path, <laughs> I invited a couple out for, for the husband's 60th birthday. We sat at the chef's table in the front of the kitchen and Ooh. had amazing food and service. We all agreed it was a perfect evening. Okay. Oh. I All paid the bill and left a 25% tip on a $400 bill Ooh, for three people. Wow. The couple then, they could have just said 100 bucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> anyway, the couple then proceeded to hand cash to the staff in spite of the fact that I had told them I'd already tipped 25%, and they acknowledged that they knew it. It was never my intention that they pay anything, and I was embarrassed. I felt like creeping out of the restaurant and never going back. Am I going to feel this way? Am I wrong to feel this way? Why wasn't my gift enough? You were wrong to feel this way. Yes, you're Go prideful. Your Hamlet. You're Knock super sensitive. You're, you're, you're yeah. prideful. Grow you're up. sensitive. You're ridiculous. Yeah. They, they understand that you paid already. They decided to pay more than that. You're fine. Yeah. Do you and think they enjoyed it. They enjoyed paying more. You brought them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you hit We the, all agreed it You was hit a great the tip deal. on the end of a credit card bill. They're handing out cashola. They That's look okay. like kings of the county. I mean, they do. You shouldn't be embarrassed. You should just be mad at them for <laughs> flaunting <laughs> around their cash. <laughs> Because that's obviously unnecessary. That's, that's thunder-stealing. 25% tip. Yeah. I mean, I mean why are you jealous of the p- servers making more money? That's just... Yeah. I mean, I suppose... It's all about looks. You'd be worried that, like, hey, you know, the servers would, were going to know me as generous with $25, and then Johnny Cash Bill shows up and starts handing out that's greenbacks. That's the problem. You wanted, to, you wanted to be the vicar of the village. Yeah, and you're like, prideful. Didn't work out. Yeah. The Harry of the Hamlet. How many people were at this party? Three. I'd say Four. Four. Oh, four people, four hundred bucks. Okay, three. So pretty good. I was gonna say they're cheap anyway. Oh no, no it was three. Good. It was three people. Yeah. Oh. How is it? Oh, they went to. Yeah, it's her and her husband and the Brazilian steak. Yes. It's steak and booze. Steak and booze. They had steak and booze. I proper. That's guaranteed. Oh, I invited a couple out for the husband's sixtieth birthday. Oh, so she took a couple out. Yeah, she's a she's a single. Uh, oh, for that it, husband's sixty. That kind of makes it yeah weird. Or her yeah. husband is sixty and she invited another couple and her and they went out and left the husband home. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I uh, like that idea better. For his birthday, I left. <laughs> he hey, Gary, amazing. you turned 60. Me and these two are going to go out. Great job. You stay at home because your kids don't love you. We're going to the Hamlet yeah, exactly. party. You should just go disappear at the villages. Wow. Okay, here's Secular's advice. Uh, Secular says, your gift was enough, and obviously the birthday celebration was a success. Your guests were so impressed that they shared their pleasure with the staff. <laughs> what they did was no reflection on you and should not allow it to discourage you from going back. In fact, I'm sure the establishment will welcome you with open arms. Yeah, 25% tip plus cash in the end. Of course they're going to yeah. welcome you. Huh. Well, you've set a high bar, though. You'll never, you can't walk in there again. 
Right, exactly. That, I wouldn't be. If I wouldn't be. Fifteen percent. They're going to freak out. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't be embarrassed about having been there, but I certainly be cautious about going back. Yeah, you can be super fancy one time at a restaurant, then never go back, and they think, "Wow, those really fancy people." I do it all the time. I blow up the McDonald's on the east side. <laughs> I get like five McChickens. They say, "Look at that." Man. I show up in that drive-through. They're like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh not, something bad not is about prepared. to happen." <laughs> it's like two a.m. That guy's expecting breakfast. Yeah, it's fire terrible. up the cobweb griddle. Stuff's <laughs> gonna happen. I gave a a uh, hundred dollar tip once to a high V server who was call. I mean, it was like a, she had need, you know. And, and but I never felt bad about going back. I mean, I never. I mean, I, you've seen Dan, that. How did you before? know she had need? We had a relationship, and it was her last day of work. Oh, okay, all right. Well, you're not you're not afraid of going back because the woman who would know the difference doesn't work there anymore. Well, yeah, yeah man, that's point. not a great example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever tipped that much. In my, I've never done that cool thing. I I, I, uh, I feel lame now. Should I? I'm a, am I a terrible person because I haven't done that? Yeah. Well, I got a few decades <laughs> Thanks, on man. you. I mean, I, right you off know. the cuff. Appreciate it. What? Were you going to talk about that more? I, got, oh. I went to do something else while you guys were discussing this, and then all of a sudden, you know, what happened. are your thoughts on villages? I, I just <laughs> never felt about you know bad going back. I never felt like obligated to do that again. I mean, I just you know. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just, a unique circumstance. Yeah. Like if you ran into that same person over and over again, I feel like there'd probably be a little bit of a. It wouldn't stop you from going, but like there'd be a, there'd be like a, a silent acknowledgement that the thing occurred because it was such like an event. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but because she but I mean she's not I coming back. Her. I mean. They were a schmuck, they and they're like, oh, that $100 store. tip was great. Eh? Yeah. yeah, what would you What would you prefer? That she never, you wouldn't want her to bring it up, right? Oh, right, right, right. It's just like we both know what happened. I mean, we, we knew what happened. And, <laughs> yeah. Sounds I mean, nefarious. I don't, I don't need to, hey, you know I'm that guy, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the problem is if you go there with any type of, uh, uh, you know, consecutive type ways, they, you gave $100 at one time, and then next time people be like giving you great service and you pump out 10 Right, exactly. They're going to be super disappointed. Now. Even though you were not cheap in any way doing the 100, now they're like, wait, I have an expectation. So. <laughs> right. yeah. See, I kind of assessed her as not being that type of personality okay, in the right. first place. She was working hard. She was going through college. She lost her job because of a, uh, a organizational change. It had nothing to do with her. They, and and uh, I thought, man, this, and she had like rent was due. And she was just kind of confiding in me. I was like, oh, boy, I got to figure this out, you know. And I thought, well, I'm just going to help her out, you know. And Either that, I need to pump up my frequency to certain restaurants, or I am a terrible person when it comes to being personable, because I've never gotten that in-depth knowing a server, ever. And I'm a big guy. Yeah. I go to places a lot, Dan. <laughs> they like you. Actually, uh, it occurs to me that like, when you receive a $100 tip from a pastor, you would go, this is unethical. Right, this and is I the find this money. stole that money anyway. <laughs> yeah. Did this come straight from the uh, probably offering took table? it right, right out of the coffers. <laughs> And he's going to have a luxurious to go breakfast to at the Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord giveth. <laughs> All right, last one. Ready? Yep. Dear life from the path. My sixth grade grandson. Oh, boy, this is some meddling here. My sixth grade grandson is in a two and a half hour social studies class. What? He told me that during that time, the teacher texts at least six times. I think this deprives the students of valuable instructional time. My daughter hasn't spoken to the principal about it yet. I wonder when this concern will be expressed by other parents and discussed in your column. <laughs> wow. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. oh man. Uh, Myrtle. Six stop, times. <laughs> stop meddling in your grandson's life. Let your children take care of anything they feel needs to happen. And six times in two and a half hours is not taking away from crucial in, instructional time. This is where I thought this didn't happen anymore, right? Like when people would know that they're being played. 
your grandson bringing up the teacher texting six times during this two and a half hour social studies. Yeah. He's playing you. Yeah, what's going He's on with saying, this grandkid? Look, my teacher does bad things. Ignore that C I just brought <laughs> home. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, otherwise, if the kid was getting great grades, uh, this conversation wouldn't even come up. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like, yeah, what's yeah. going on I, in your social studies I didn't class? learn anything about the Mongols because the, my teacher texted that six two times. Two and a half hours. You in there because you failed it already. Yeah, I was trying true. to learn that the teacher was just busy. Yeah. I feel like you're Maybe in remedial social studies. She was texting for instructional methods on how to teach sixth graders social studies. There is not a sixth grade <laughs> class that lasts two and a half hours. I mean, there's no part of modern education that thinks any no. kid's going to sit there for no two and a half hours. No. That's a lot. You have an, inf- like, like, it should be a pretty good key that you have an inflated sense of self. If you have a limited, like, within your local community, somebody, <laughs> let's say this is true, two and a half hour social studies class, teachers texting, and she's like, and she's anticipating that the entire community will band together and write letters to dear life from the past yeah, yeah. about this particular problem. I can't wait till this blows up your newsprint this <laughs> one day, uh, in this small town in Texas. How long do you think it'll take till the rest of the parents rise up? <laughs> yeah, like, like if you believe that your, that your particular qualm is the basis of a revolution, you've overreacted. Yes. You have an inflated sense of self. Every, here's all revolutions have already been started. They've been tried. Uh, they've been floundering or like trying to rekindle somewhere. But you, uh, like, you think that you came up with the idea that starts a new revolution? You are mistaken. You are mistaken, sir. Uh, yeah, this is some high-class meddling right here. And she says, my daughter hasn't gone to the principal. Yet. Hyphen. Yet. But she's got, oh, I bet that'll be a stellar conversation. The principal's going to be blown away. What? She's using her phone. I mean, half the kids get to use their phone in the school anyway. You yeah. can't get them to pay attention to what, what the teacher's even talking she's about. She's probably texting the kids. <laughs> yeah. Hey, pay attention. <laughs> you doing after class? I see you on your phone. <laughs> Have you hit level 14 yet? Uh, let's see. Secular says, has your daughter discussed this with the parents of the other students? If she hasn't, she should, because they may not be aware of what the teacher's doing. Oh, if they find it as concerning as you and your daughter do, they should approach the principal as a group. You know, the principal loves that. When you come in as a band of furious parents, yeah, ready with, to roll on the whole organization. pitchforks and torches. When, when all actuality, you've been using the school as a daycare to deal with your rotten uh-huh. kid. And then you and this band of groupies got together and decided you were going to waylay on how the school was being we taught. Are, Mike, tell us how you really feel about uh, that situation. We are ready to reach out to antiquated media in mass. Yeah. If, we are, if this is not addressed... Now, now as, we are prepared. As a guy who has a wife who works in the office at a public school, I, I wouldn't be too surprised that it is the, the office texting the teachers to ask if little Johnny's there yeah. because uh, he was reported walking through the hallway chewing gum and uh, throwing things in lockers, and they want right. to make sure he's actually in class. And, and he's sitting there watching her to see if she's texting. Send a Snapchat of the kid. Yes, he's here. Yeah. I'm telling you right now that the biggest, the, the bane of the educational system is the parents involved with it. It did not used to be quite as ridiculous as it is, but it's all tipped to one side. And parents show up every day with their humphity-bumphity and blah, blah, blah. You should teach my... Why don't you teach your own kid math? Yeah. And then they'll come to class, breeze right through it. They yeah. won't even have a concern at all. Yeah. Why don't you spend all your free time teaching them science, math, social studies, and how to behave themselves and not act like a little hooligan. And then when they come to the school building, they will breeze through and don't even know their name. They're like, this kid doesn't even kick the dust up when he walks through the front door. But no, that's not what you do. You throw, you throw your temper tantrum little man in here. You let him terrorize the school. And then when they call in and say, look, uh, Jack is tearing the place up, you go, how dare you? He's a special, unique child. And he was always born to tear it up. And you don't know how to wait. Yes. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I would me? kill to see that. What, I mean, what, a, what an absolute waste. Uh, teachers, first of all, don't make near enough money. And second of all, they have to put up the burden of listening to you. 
come to, come to conferences and tell them how special the kid is. And if you just spend more time with him, you'd realize how great he is. Look, man, he's here 10 hours a day. Tear the place up. I know your kid pretty darn well, and he's a terror. <laughs> All right, uh, it seems there's something ripe in there you can send to the complaint line. That's 515-517-0085. Maybe your kid's born to tear it up. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. 515-517-0085. You've been hanging out with us on Live from the Path. We do very much appreciate it. Thanks for joining us in this new year. Um, we are, we're glad to be back on air, and we'll uh, hopefully be hanging around with you as we come. If you got any uh, topics you'd like to discuss on the show, uh, any personal problems, you need some medical advice. Like I said, that complaint line's the way to do it. 515-517-0085. We're going to turn you loose, uh, and we'll see you uh, next week or whenever we wander in. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. Thanks for listening to Live from the Path. You can't keep me quiet I will bring the noise Try to beat me down Tell me to shut my